follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. This is Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad. Almost time to close this crap of a year out. <laughs> Be thankful. Well, unfortunately, if, if you're listening to this, we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, so hopefully the world is still here, because God <laughs> knows what will happen between mm-hmm. now yeah. and then. We're in a... Oh, Lord, who knows? <clears throat> we want to say thank you all for being with us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C in Corners, capital P in Podcast. Save 10% off your order. And our other shout-out, Matt. Uh, as always, to Orlando Cologne. Orlando Cologne uh, hasn't really been uh, wrestling a lot this year but hopefully 2021 changes that he is my bright spot i'm looking forward to in the next year absolutely so uh brad what were we going to be doing this evening so we 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 are bringing to you a nice bright shiny new andre the giant match to review and then once we do that we're going to be kind of stringing together because because our we know I know there's been some new listeners lately, so I wanted to kind of dig into the vaults a bit because this is this is the end of a of another year, and I wanted to to put some of our old Andre the Giant matches out there. So what you're gonna get after this is um you're gonna get Andre the Giant versus Stan Hansen from New Japan in 1981, Andre the Giant versus Harley Race in um, Houston in 1979. And you're going to be getting, I think it's Andre the Giant and Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Kamala and, oh crap, who else is in that match? Oh gosh. Oh man, now you say that and I'm going to forget. Who was tight? Was it Missing Link? Yeah, Missing Link. Mm, I think. Yeah. I think it was Missing Link. <laughs> I, I just want to, I want to put this out there real quick. The, um... The Andre Hansen match is one of one of my favorite things that we have covered. Yeah, um, you'll hear why when we get to it. But oh, I, yeah, I just I love it. It is no, it's so good and it subverts so many things you expect going in. Uh, yeah, it'll melt your brain if you watch it and have like a preconceived notion of Andre the Giant <laughs> in the best way. Yeah. In the best way. <clears throat> so, 
All right. Well, well we, um, we're going a little. So we were gonna do a fresh match for this just because I thought it'd be fun, and mm-hmm. um, I was kind of looking at my options for this, and this match kind of popped up, and I said, why don't we just go way nutso off the reservation? So <laughs> I picked Andre the Giants versus Franz von Buten from 1968 in France. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, off the rails. Literally a 50-plus <clears throat> old match. Yeah. Yes. That's out there somehow on uh, on YouTube. It's not mm-hmm. in great shape, but it exists. I mean, I mean, the, the Chicago Archive has a ton of stuff from the 50s, um, which is which is a fun watch. But mm-hmm. yeah, like so, I just decided I just decided to go a little nuts with this. So Andre, I just want to see how old he was here. So Andre was uh, 22 years old in this match. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, yeah. he's very young. He doesn't even look like. He, you can tell it's Andre the Giant, but he does not look like the Andre the Giant you think, because you can tell like his medical condition really hasn't um, hasn't kicked into like some of that more nasty stuff that happened later, like the weight gain. Yeah, mm-hmm. some, like some of that stuff. So he, he he, you can tell it's Andre though because like the. Just his his dimensions are weird, and like you can tell, like how big his chest is, and if you look at his face, it's, you can tell it still looks like Andre. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this one's uh, this one <laughs> we'll we'll get into it, I guess. Well, um, so the first thing that I noticed with this match is when you get like past. I don't know. I want to say when you get on the other side of 1985, you have a, you kind of have an expectation of what a match is going to look like. You get some things that are a little peppier and um, high paced, but high paced in like, you know, the early 80s and 70s is not the same. And the further back you go, the more methodical and map based wrestling tends to get. Mm-hmm. And, um,. <sighs> I would say that this match would would be uh, like would still be like a considerably decently paced match for today. Like I was really shocked by the pace they kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kept moving um, a lot, <laughs> and you know Andre is really mobile at this point, and Franz von Buten is. I mean, you know, he's moving. Um, <laughs> this is a faster pace than I saw some people work on indie shows I was on. Uh, Andre is not just uh, fast. He's, like, spry. He has, like, mm. some real real agility, and there's a couple spots here. He's, like, he's damn quick, mm-hmm. which is – go ahead. And I was going to say, I, I think I commented when we were watching this, like, he is remarkably not awkward for his size. Yeah. If he doesn't have like that basketball player kind of like awkward when you get those big guys, mm-hmm. and he's a he's actually very um, he's pretty muscular in this. You can tell he's actually like in in really good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks very different, obviously, from the Andre of really even like ten years later. Yeah, the 
Okay, just just for an idea, because this is the thing in the match that I think shocked me more than anything. There's there's two pieces to why this shocked me. There's a sequence. I think it's right about the middle of the video. Franz von Buten does head scissor takeover. This looks an awful lot like a Huracarana to me, mm-hmm. which supposedly wasn't invented until the 90s. He does this head scissor takeover. Andre bumps it twice, and not like Andre kind of like like a big man kind of goes over his shoulder front bump, like full-on front bumps for this head scissor takeover. And I was, I've been watching. I'm like, yeah, he's moving good. You know, they're doing. And then he does that, and I'm like, what? I sat there with my mouth. Up. My my brother messaged me at some point. He goes, "What are you doing?" I'm like, I said, "I'm watching an Andre the Giant match from 1968." And he went, "What?" And I was like, "No, he front bumps really good." <laughs> like, I was so impressed. I didn't it, expect it. It's such a different look at Andre. <laughs> like, I, I really do employ anyone. Uh, listening to this to then go watch the match on, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's really something. And uh, it's not again, long. it's like, no, it's not a match. Yeah. <clears throat> like the whole video is maybe 10 minutes or so. Is yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, and the story of it is, you know, I'm watching this and the story's really good. You know, the story is Andre is, um, he's, it, it it looks to me, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but it looks like Andre's just soaking all the punishment Von Buten can do to him. And Von Buten's doing a lot. Mm-hmm. He's soaking all the punishment until Von Buten makes a mistake or gets tired or, or slows down or something. And then just proceeds to whoop the crap out of Von Buten. So, well, like, I mean, like... They kind of, they kind of like, so Von Buten tries... So, I guess, I guess what the basic layout is, Von Buten kind of tries to ground him down early but it's not really going his way and then mm-hmm. andre starts which i've never seen andre do this before but andre starts just laying in these absolutely beautiful european uppercuts oh yeah yeah oh yeah and so von buten kind of realizes like eh, this isn't gonna work i'm gonna have to try and stand and like trade with this guy so, so they kind of do that for a while, and, and it kind of it's kind of like a back and forth. Like sometimes Von Buten's getting the better of him, but you can kind of tell like just it's kind of like a battle of attrition on their feet, and you can just tell mm-hmm. Andre's got more in the tank than Von Buten does. So then mm-hmm. it kind of once he wears him down a little more, then Andre just kind of starts picking him up and slamming him. Like a, like a, um, he did like two or three almost gorilla presses, didn't he? Yeah, and he would kind of slam him down on his knee, almost like um, kind of like a, he did kind of like, like a, a go ahead. not like a backbreaker, it's more like a rib breaker. He was kind of doing. Oh yeah, or a chest buster. The f- yeah. first one looked kind of like a backbreaker. The second one that he did definitely did look like. Uh, yeah, like a rip breaker or like a stomach buster or something like that. He would see dropping them 
uh, maybe that's just the way like Franz was taking it, but yeah, like he was dropping him onto his knee. Uh, the first time it looked like he, he the guy landed on his back. The second time it was more like on his in his stomach, but it was impressive. I mean, obviously Andre was uh, you know incredibly strong, so mm-hmm. he made it look easy. I guess it's just nice seeing him working and he's not winded at all and like. By the pace of this match, you could tell Andre had some gas in that tank because, I mean, they, you have to understand, like, this match is, like, within the, within, I'd say it's about an eight-minute match, maybe nine minutes, and maybe mm-hmm. past the first, like, two and a half minutes where they're doing mat work, they're just on their feet trading. Mm-hmm. And selling. Like, there's no real rest holds. Like, they're just going. Yeah, they don't they don't slow down. This keeps going. Yeah, so then Andre pretty much slams him around a bit. Um I think he then does like a body slam, like more of a standard body slam and then pins him. Yeah, I think that's right. And um Well, <laughs> the guy was the guy was struggling, but he just couldn't like Andre was too heavy, I think. Yeah. yeah. He, couldn't, he couldn't displace him. Yeah, so, but, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna claim, like, the one thing I'll say, I'm not gonna claim this is, like, some forgotten classic, you're, you're not gonna, like, watch this and, like, have some revelation about the universe of wrestling by watching it. I will say, you should go watch this just to see what Andre was capable of when he was young. Mm -hmm. Because it's quite remarkable, like his prowess like what you can tell you can see why andre was as popular as he was because there's a lot of naturally gifted athleticism in that big frame he's just not a tall guy yeah um he's he's definitely he's got a lot of capability and movement he he, it's not the the quote-unquote giant style that you see from a lot of people later on. So it, it's, um, yeah, it's it it is really something to see. Oh, and and if you if you go to this is on YouTube. Um, just to warn you, it is in French. I believe it's French. Yes. Was this in a? Was this in French or was it in in? Uh, where was this uh, match aired? Was it was it in uh, like French uh, Canada or was it actually in France? I'm thinking it was actually in France. Because uh, I mean, obviously Andre was French, and uh, I actually I looked up Franz uh, von Buten. Uh, yeah. Who he was actually Belgium. Mm-hmm. Belgian. Uh, and for those who, if anyone knows the geography of. Uh, of Belgium, I have actually been to Belgium. Like they, it's it, Belgium is interesting because, uh, like, depending upon where you go, either they're speaking German or they're speaking French. Like <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it's just either one or the other. Um, so I don't know if they were in France or in actually Belgium because it could have been either one. Uh, uh, Franz von Buten was a Belgium uh, wrestler. He apparently died just this year mm. at wow. age eighty. At age 81, uh, William Regal actually shared this on Twitter that he passed away. I guess he was one of William Regal's mentors. Wow. Uh, and uh, I'm going to send you guys an uh, an article, like his obituary. Uh, this is uh, 
I think it's more like a, uh, almost like a pro wrestling blog. This uh, article actually has links to several matches, which I actually want to watch. It's uh, like Franz von Buten versus Dave Taylor. Um, him wrestling giant haystacks, aka Loch Ness. So that, that's that'll be an interesting wow. one. Um, there's another one that looks to be uh, an IWE and Japan match where it's Andre teaming up with Buten and another dude against uh, I think maybe Russia Kimura. So that's that'd be interesting. Dude, uh, there's a Mike Shaw. Yeah, there's a Mike Shaw one. Uh, 1988, which at this point uh, Von Buten would have been in like, his mid-50s. Uh, and apparently uh, Franz Von Buten was the father of... Uh, let me look it up. It, it, Daniel Van Buten, who played for uh, the soccer, aka football uh, team Bayern Munich, which is actually like my favorite football team. Mm. I, went, I went to... A, um, <laughs> I've, I've been to Munich exactly one time, but I became enamored with their soccer team. <laughs> I looked this match up. This happened on 1-20-1968 in Paris. Mm. And this is for the French title in French Catch. Mm. So this was in France. This match does have a very like catch-as-catch-can type of feel yeah. to it. There's not... Um... You know, we we kind of mentioned the trades, but there's not a lot of strikes. This is this is a lot more grapply, mm-hmm. um, and and that's fine. Uh, you know, it like if I saw this uh, this match on TV today, I wouldn't be mad about that. You know, if if we had modern people doing it, I could actually be pretty impressed with it. Um, I have to admit, in in watch, I wasn't listening to the announcer much, but the problem is hearing him speak French and that sort of stuff. It's, there's a little bit of me in the back of my mind that, because it sounded like the the announcing was kind of dubbed later. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it's what it sounded like to me. So I imagine the guy sitting in the sound booth with like the the cigar, the cigarette holder and stuff, and he's he's, he's like puffing at it and talking into the microphone because. His the cadence of his voice doesn't like spike a lot. It stays pretty. It's excited, but it stays pretty steady. I would say, I would say it's either dubbed or that this was taped on eight millimeter, and he like they he was there, but he was like getting recorded separately, and then they they spliced it together afterwards. Yeah, it's <clears throat> kind of what I was. Because like I think I think because we were, we we watched the Pat Patterson stuff last week, and you can kind of tell I think Vince has dubbed over most of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But you could tell I think you could tell I I I could be wrong on this, but this felt like this was shot on like eight millimeter, versus like, like some of the stuff you saw in America at the time. Oh okay. It just felt more. Um, it didn't look as good. Like if you watch anything from Japan, it always looks great because they shoot their stuff really high quality. But this felt like, this felt like it wasn't like shot for TV as much as it was like arena that they shot on film and then put on TV. It didn't look bad. Um, no. It, it it looked pretty good, especially for a a match from the '60s. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> but I mean, some of some of that stuff from um like. 
I'm just comparing, like, when you look at stuff from Japan, even, like, well into the early 70s, it just looks remarkable and holds up, like, against modern-looking mm, yeah. footage. <clears throat> so it's kind of hard when... You Didn't you say they Japanese recorded stuff. their stuff on, like, super high-quality film or something? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because when we watched that... um Remember when we watched Andre versus Stan Hansen? That looked... Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, all the Japanese stuff looks that good. All right. Well, did we have anything more about this one we wanted to say? I just want to reiterate, like, the, the pacing is was really shocking to me, because it, it was really... Because it was, it was from 1968, and I was interested in it, but I was like... I, I was kind of prepping myself, like, okay, you know, this could be a little dry and a little slow, and I was just like, oh, wow, they're really... They're really keeping this up-tempo. Mm-hmm. Matt? No, I got nothing else to add. This was actually a really... Uh... A shockingly good match again for something that was it's 50 plus years old <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely um the uh this isn't about the match this is um since we're gonna we're gonna have some clips here in a minute but i i did want to say since this is this is our last show of the year right um yeah i didn't want to say thank you for everybody who's who's tuned in and listened to us this year um you know, we, we do this because we enjoy doing it, but the fact that we have people out there who enjoy listening to us, uh, we really appreciate that. And we hope you guys, you know, really enjoy it. And if there's stuff you want for us to do, please grab one of our social media platforms. Let us know. Uh, you know, we've done it before. We'll be happy to do it again. But I, I really just wanted to say thank you very much for everybody who who takes the time out of their day to, to listen listen to us. Um that that means a lot to me. Yeah, and um, this is—I mean, for me, this has really been kind of. Hold on, got a cough. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, for me, this has really helped me like get through this whole COVID thing. That's. I I was looking the other day, and I think we've recorded forty episodes since like the COVID thing started. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is this is like my this is my something to do on Tuesday and hang out with my friends and talk about dumb shit that no one cares about for <laughs> an hour or two. So it's a good way of of not focusing on what been happening in the world for that time. So it's Yeah. And I'm pretty sure we're going to hit like an even 52 for a whole year of this under COVID. But, um, you know, this started as this 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 podcast started kind of as Shad's brainchild over kind of some failed startups we had had. And he had an idea for this and we kind of just stuck with it. And, you know, it's remarkable to do something and to have something, you know, Oh, hey, look, isn't that cute? We've done 14 episodes, and then it's a little later. You're like, oh, wow, we have done 130 and really stuck with it. <coughs> um, this this wouldn't be possible without without you two guys. Like, you know, I, all of this, you know, I'm, I, I'm the idiot that, that got in the ring and got bumped around and got hurt too much to keep doing it. This, this would not happen if if you guys weren't a part of it. So I appreciate you guys very much. 
Well, as we, as we saw with Matt and I at the wheel um, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, we uh, some bad things happen when you're not here. I likened it to. Um, <laughs> I told my wife it's like that scene from Ace Ventura when nature calls when he drives the jeep through the woods and like the monkey and like his little sidekick are praying to god that they don't die that was kind of that episode <laughs> matt was there anything you wanted to say before we no i uh i obviously i very much appreciate the podcast it's uh it's a big like creative outlet for me um and it's just fun you know every week to be doing shows with you guys uh, and doing shows for uh, the listeners out there. Uh, our numbers have increased, so hopefully there are people out there who are enjoying uh, us just rambling about <laughs> various stuff. But yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I look forward to continuing in 2021. Again, it's uh, it's just a ton of fun doing it. I'm hoping that we, I hope we get a lot more uh, listeners just because I want to interact with people. Like I want to talk about the show or just talk about whatever we're talking about. If we're talking about like you know, Saturday morning cartoons. I would love for people to just be, you know, tweeting at us or, or contacting us in some way to talk about it. Cause to me, that's fun. Like that's what I would absolutely love. And I hope that eventually once like, uh, you know, COVID's over, which hopefully like that'll be, I'm hoping in the next like few months, cause you know, we have, I think multiple vaccines like rolling out, like hopefully, you know, we can start doing, uh, there could be like live stuff going on, like live wrestling shows or, I don't know, comic convention, something where, you know, we can get out there and maybe even meet people. Sure. Yeah. That'd be like fantastic. Cause again, like I, this is not, this isn't like a, a vanity project or anything like that. I just want to like, I love talking about all this stuff, pop culture, wrestling, all this stuff. So it'd be great to actually just meet people and just chat with them about it. Like I have, uh, I've been able to meet and I've name dropped them before on the show. Like I've, I've been able to meet like other like podcast content creators and it's just so great to actually meet people and just like you know talk about stuff whatever we're into like action figures toys uh wrestling cartoons even like anything that that would just be awesome if we could do that uh so hopefully hopefully we continue to grow and uh, the we have a whole slate of like cartoon themed stuff lined up for next year oh we haven't even as far as the saturday morning cartoon stuff like oh my god we haven't even hit the the real gold of the Saturday morning cartoon schedules. And we have, we have, I have someone lined up to do a GI Joe episode in the, mm-hmm. at some point in the winter. So I'm excited about that. Sure. Well, everybody, one more time, we want to say thank you all for, uh, for being with us through this year. Hopefully we've been able to help, um, just lessen some of the pressure of the world around us. And, you know, we hope you stick with us. So, uh, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We'd love to hear from you on all of our social medias. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we will see you next year. So let's hit on um, what I would call quite the novelty match. So from Houston in 1979, we have Harley Race defending against Andre the Giant, the NWA world title, and which was a common occurrence for title matches, this is two out of three falls. I was actually surprised by that. I wasn't expecting a two out of three falls match. A lot of a lot of those title matches in the 70s were two out of three falls. Okay. I, I didn't expect it either. Like it pops up and I'm like, oh, this is two out of like it didn't it didn't shock me. 
I just didn't expect it. So it pops up. And I'm like, oh, we're doing two out of three. Okay. Uh, all right. Not a problem. So this is and then, this is like another instance that we kind of talked about previously with Andre the Giant. But, wow, Andre is a really good worker when he can still move. This match was shocking. Because um, just like how good young Andre was. His selling after... In the second fall, like the way he's selling that body slam on the floor. Oh, yeah. He's selling it like he is fucked. Like, just, he's just selling it like I am screwed up and I have to just hold on. Yeah. That's something that I, I think a lot of people might miss out or sleep on is Andre knew and was capable, he could sell. And that's that was so important for him too because if you if you're gonna have a match with Andre, I mean if he was a babyface then you were just gonna bounce off of him, but, right? You'd go at him and bounce off. But if he was a heel, then he had to put you over in some way, and he knew how to do it. But what was what was brilliant about the first fall is it's pretty much Andre owns Harley. Like Harley gets a couple of shots in, but like he goes for his diving headbutt and pretty much gets the worst of it. Like he's like, Oh, I made a horrible mistake after doing that. <laughs> he, he does that and then rolls over holding his head and the crowd laughs at him. Yeah. But then pretty much Andre just works the arm and like works him over the whole time. And I mean, he, he's owning Harley for this and Harley dives to the outside and Andre comes after him and Harley being like the savvy champion he is nails him with a chair and body slams him on the floor and scurries back in and mm-hmm. gets the count out to win the first fall so they start the second fall and Harley's just all over him like because he just senses the blood in the water it was i got to throw this in there in watching this match especially when Andre's working on Harley I thought there was something wrong with my speakers for a minute until I realized that that's that that's Harley's ring banter. But it sounded to me like there was there was a sound caught on loop because he would do the same thing so often. Repeat it. And man, like when, and I couldn't figure it out. When, um, when Andre did that double underhook suplex, he got some serious air on Harley. That's true. Yeah. I love the fact that in the first fall, before it spills to the outside, like, Andre was doing submission wrestling. Yeah. And, like, doing it really well. Like, like working the I whole, not like, not like yeah. a lot of guys do now where they just put the arm bar on and just lay there for five minutes. Like, Andre was, like, yeah. torquing, wrenching. Like, sometimes he'd get up a little bit to, um, to really, like, reapply the pressure, get things just the way he wanted it. No, he was working it. He was submission wrestling. And he was Andre's Andre's Fujiwara armbar was excellent. And, yeah. and the the brilliant thing he was doing is like he was making Harley like fight through his weight to have to get up from those holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's in watching this, um it was interesting because I'm I'm watching this and the thought occurs to me this is what made Andre seem so. It, you know, if, if if you only saw him in in the WWF, and it's Andre and he does big headbutts and he hits people and he doesn't go down, it's like okay, doing big man, doing what we would you might call classic big man stuff. 
But in this era, what you have is a guy who's a very capable wrestler who just happens to be so big that you can't. You, what do you do to overcome him, right? Well, I mean, if he it, lights down on you and he's cranking an arm bar, what do you do, right? She gave him the fireball. That's the only way the sheet got away from him. <laughs> but that's that. It gave me some context of just how, um, just how, uh, you know, how much of a force that he would be viewed in that time period. But he really, like, his psychology is, like, really, like, spot on, too. Like, you can see, like, those, like, how, like, he had that good match with Duggan when he couldn't move or, like, that good match with Savage. Like, because you can see, like, it's, you can really see, like, how well he understands wrestling when his body can do what his head wants. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Makes sense. So Andre gets, Andre. that a lot of now. <laughs> so Andre gets the um, Andre gets the wins the second pinfall. Pretty much fights back. You know, babyface comeback. So we go to the third pinfall where Andre kind of takes over again. So they kind of spill to the outside and get into it a little bit. And then what I thought was an absolutely brilliant finish that pissed the crowd off. Andre's trying to get back in the ring, and Harley literally grabs onto his legs to prevent him from getting back into the ring to get them both counted out for the final fall. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to end this, but it's like, okay, now I get and it. The Harley was literally dangling off of him like a small child to keep him out of the <laughs> ring. Matt, it sounded like you wanted to say something. This overall was way more competitive than I was expecting it to be. Like, there are times when Race was really just giving it to him. Uh, like, the whole segment in the second fall where he is the one who has Andre in, like, a bear hug. It's like, wow. Yeah. But I like that that was predicated that Harley's, like, really huge segment of control was after body slamming him on the floor. Yeah. Right. Which was actually a really impressive body slam, too. Oh, it was super impressive. I, like message you guys when i was watching the match and it didn't even look like andre like helped him much i'm sure he did but it didn't look like it and he like he really inverted him it was like a super impressive body it was like harley was body slamming like a 180 pound guy he just like versus a dude who was like 400 pounds you don't even see it coming because he just goes for it yeah but then i think i'm gonna i'm gonna go back and pull it up because i want to i want to look at it and see if if it's if it's all Harley or if Andre's doing some stuff, but, but Andre so. sold that so well because he gets back in the ring and you can just like the way he signed is just like you're like oh he is he is like messed up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think this is I think this match is actually a really good showcase of both men because you really get to see Harley work kind of is the underdog against like the unstoppable monster but you get to see like like this match is really about harley race um thinking his way out of losing the title as much as it is wrestling his way out of the title yeah it's it's very much about harley being uh, cagey yeah yeah it was (laughs) golly and and you you want it's just this idea of 
just doing this stuff. Okay, hang on. I've got this. Oh, yeah. Andre totally posted for it. Okay. It, it's covered up very, very well. But but Andre did. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. That's that I, I had to solve that mystery for myself. Now, I would say Andre's performance in the Stan Hansen match is more um, impressive. But I think this is a better display of Andre's, like, psychology abilities. Uh, I'd have to think on that for a while. I'll be honest with you. I just really prefer... I, I really preferred the Andre Hansen to this. They're, they're very different. It, like, it, um, Andre and Hansen is like two wild animals going at it. And this match yeah. is more like a very tactical, like cerebral um, approach to like a match. Sure. I, I agree with you. I'm just for my personal tastes. That's yeah. I, I prefer that one. Like this, but. this match is a lot of this. This match feels like a chess match almost. Like they're they're carefully deploying like their moves against each other, like their positioning. There's a lot of like there's a lot of like thought put into them thinking as they go. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of thought into that making you think they're like trying to outsmart each other. Whereas the Hanson and Andre match is just like two guys just duking it out until the refs had enough of their nonsense. Yeah, that that duking it out till the ref has enough of their nonsense. Um, that that, <laughs> that just appeals that that warms my cold black heart. So, <laughs> and I think I think like for. For being what I what I picked it out because it was a novelty match, but it it was I thought it was a really good match. It, that's because it was, it was a really good. It, yeah, for a novelty match, it's absolutely not what you would expect. No. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, Matt. Do you have anything anything else you want to? No, it's just this was a this was kind of like again like a one of those matches of early Andre that I've. I had never seen before or even heard about. And it kind of blew me away. Like the, the Andre Hansen match is still like, I love that match. That match is like tremendous, but uh-huh. this was like in its own right, really, really good. Uh, and again, like I wasn't expecting it to be as competitive as it was, but it was, it was like a, it was a slog between the two of them. And it was like toe to toe. And I, I loved it. It was like really compelling. Cause I'm, I was used to seeing like eighties Andre where, he was obviously more broken down, so he didn't have to do as much. But it was mostly just him, you know, just doing the minimum. But because of his size, it was believable. But here, it was like he had to go toe to toe, and he struggled. Um, so it was pretty fantastic. Oh, one, one last thing I want to actually mention about this match is that Andre's working punches were really good. Yes, they were. Compared to like, I mean, he's a big dude. So he wasn't he wasn't like throwing punches around just like willy nilly. Mm-hmm. He had to make them like a certain style because that's what would make sense. But they were good. Right. There was one point, I think, where he slaps race on the chest and it was just like a thunderclap or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was using a lot of the um, I, I use them. I refer to them as the um, I guess they're clubbing blows, uh, the, the clubbing blow effect. Where he he you take the forearm across the back or across the chest, and so it's a 
he he used some of those, but then again, on someone like Andre or Mark Henry, it makes perfect sense. You know, it, he's just using the sheer weight of his arm to punish you. So that's that's a uh, you know it, it fits. It makes sense. I'm trying to agree with you, and I might be working too hard at doing no, it. No, it makes sense. So I, I would say, like I said, like we said earlier, like I think Harley Race is a true legend. Like, um, someone I think like the the mold of a champion is cut from still to this day to a degree. And um, I think if you if you haven't seen a lot of Harley Race matches, I think. Um, I think the I think these are good matches to check out. They showcase him well. Um, you can you can look on YouTube. Unfortunately, like with Harley, you're gonna kind of he's gonna be a little past his prime when you get to see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there's just not the the footage for a lot yeah, of it. And, and sadly, like a lot of this stuff isn't you have to dig for. Like I don't. Are the Dusty title changes and, like, the Tommy Rich title change out there in their entirety? I don't know. I, I know they finally did the Backland race match in its entirety. Okay. Um, I haven't seen that all the way through, though. Yeah, if there's anybody I believe could ground Bob Backlund, it would totally be Harley the, Race. <laughs> the match that he wins the title from Terry Funk is out there, and that one is really good. I would recommend that one if you have the time mm-hmm. to watch it. Um, Terry Funk's a little subdued, though, because <laughs> it is NWA Aww. champion um, Terry <laughs> Funk. That's that's fair. I do like I like Terry Funk when he's not quite so subdued. That's to me. That's more fun. But I've been watching uh, some Georgia TV, and I saw a promo with him calling Dusty Rhodes an egg sucking dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I want to. I want to take an opportunity to also, and I'm going to throw this out there. This is only kind of ancillary related, but when we were originally kind of messaging back and forth about this, the um. The thing that struck me about this Andre match is I can I can I feel very definitively say Andre is a better worker. Well, Andre was a very good worker. I feel like Big Show is a better big man, but that's because he was building on the big man stuff Andre did. But Andre didn't start doing the big man stuff until later on because he didn't need to. Big Show started doing that from the beginning. Basically, because that's what everybody around him told him he had to do. But as he progressed in his career, I feel like that he was he's the best big man, quote unquote, style worker that I have seen. You guys think I am crazy? Um, I think Andre at his peak was better than Big Show, but Big Show obviously had a longer, like, productive period because Andre physical limitations really kicked in pretty quick well remember remember what i'm saying i'm not saying that that big show was better than andre i'm saying big show was a better big man style worker than andre 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is, do you think do you think Big Show could have been as good in like if you replaced him with Andre in the Stan Hansen match? Do you think he had the aura and like the ability just to go like just to duke it out with a guy like that and be as believable? Potentially, but we it's kind of hard to do that with the aura that goes around Andre. Would would Show have had that kind of aura in that in that era just? Off of the the virtue of sheer size, I don't know. Um, but if I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think, and I think we're, if, I think we're Big Show. Where Big Show struggles a little bit versus Andre, in my opinion, is I feel like Andre was a little more creative um, with what he did than Big Show did. Like, and and some of that though is Big Show being in a very restrictive environment, right? I wonder what we would see out of show if he was in a place where he could, you know, kind of cut loose a little bit more. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't dislike Big Show. Actually, I think Mark Henry is a bigger big man worker than either of them. Honestly, see, that's tough because Mark Henry didn't really like get it as a big man until like later. But when he got it, like, when, oh yeah, when he was doing like the the world's strongest champion at ECW. Like that's, that's one thing I would like, I would love to talk about one point. I think one of the most underrated acts of all time is Mark Henry with Tony Atlas as his manager. He was really underrated. Um, when, once he finally like got it, he got really good as a, like a monster big man heel. And it, they, I don't want to go back and look cause the WWE ECW turned me off pretty hard pretty early it came back it came back pretty well in like 2008 when they were putting like a lot of new guys on there when like evan Bourne was on there and it was like mid carters figuring their act out and getting all this tv time it actually got pretty good but it should be noted that mark henry actually salvaged um smackdown's ratings when he was champion did he really wow but that's one of my favorite moments is the injured orton going for like the RKO and like Henry just shrugging him off, shaking his head. No. And then giving him the world's strongest slam and winning the belt. Uh, there was a really, really good, one of my favorite, like, I guess Mark Henry moments when he was kind of in that mode was from, I think it was like 2011. It was a raw and it was, um, it, Big Show versus, I think he was, I don't think it was even Mark Henry who was in the match, I'm not sure. But it's a cage match, do you remember this one? Where he basically, like, charges a Big Show through the cage. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. To the outside, and then he goes up to Big Show, who's just, like, lying crushed on, the on like, <laughs> at the outside. And Mark Henry is standing over him, and he's like... If I charge for air, you better keep your bill paid. (laughs) (laughs) It is hilarious because it's such an absurd comment and it's terrifying because it's like, yes, I would keep my bill paid if you were charging for air. And he's such a badass in that one moment. You know what? You know what I or even like the moment. I'm sorry to cut uh, you off, but even the moment where remember he was like he fake retired and then uh, Cena came out and then he proceeded to give the world's uh, greatest slam to Cena. He's like, I got a lot left in the tank. I remember hearing, um, 
I remember uh, when Mark Henry went back on Talk as Jericho whenever Jericho would use a cowbell and try and do people's entrance music. I think he's quit doing that. That sounds really douchey. Uh, well, it, it was meant to be funny. It was it was supposed to be a joke, but the he he said to Mark Henry, he's like, "What what was that that you that was said in your song?" And he's like, "I I, I think I understand it, but I don't hear it." And Henry's like. Oh, someone's going to get his wig split. That's just some ignorant stuff we used to say in Texas. And I said it at one point, and Vince wanted to put it in my music. And there it is. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? A pissed off Mark Henry, I'm not going to nitpick his, his, his threats. You know, it's going to be like, ah, yeah, I'm. I believe you would do that. You know, what, you know what I really respect about him? And this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's really not. I love the fact that they signed him to that ridiculous contract before he'd ever wrestled a match. And they yeah. instantly regretted it. So they were trying to like humiliate him and like send him to OVW and to get him to quit. And he was just like, nope, I'm getting paid. I'm going to show up to work with a good attitude every day because I'm getting my motherfucking money. Yeah. He had a yeah. I, I remember all the stories about that, and he he still came to work. Like he he worked hard to get better. And, and Cornette said when he was in OVW, like he was great, like good attitude, like did everything they wanted him to. Like I just I I respect a guy that you know has his eye on the prize. Yeah, hey, that, that, that's and hey, he lost the weight they told him to too. So. Yeah, but I mean, I think did. he was probably. I would say he was an active wrestler for almost ten years before he actually caught it. Yeah, yeah, that's he had a long, true. He had a long growing curve. But like, it was just weird. Yeah. He like, I thought he sucked, and then one day, like, it took me a while to get over it. But then I was like, wait a minute, like, he's actually really good, and like, it just kind of happened. It kind of seemed like all the pieces fell into place very, very quickly, right? I think once he had, like, when he got that, like, kind of started getting that main eventer slot, it's just like it all fell into mm-hmm. place for him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'd have to go back and listen, but I think that there was some more conversations he had with Ron Simmons that probably helped. Um, my favorite Ron Simmons stories are, are the ones that D'Lo told him about how to be better and that sort of stuff. And like, don't you let no one get up over on you, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, about how to deal with, with Vader and that sort of stuff. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the date. Wasn't this from nine twenty three eighty one? I just looked at it. Okay. Because I realized we were doing a <clears throat> Japanese match and the, um, the dates are very important when you talk about Japanese yeah. matches. Cause when I was actually looking this up, there was a 79 one, but I did not think it was that cause that, uh, it was much shorter, but this, uh, this is, as Brad said, this is from nine twenty three eighty one, So September 23rd, 1981. So almost a 40 year old match. Uh, it's Stan Hansen, Stan, the Lariat Hansen versus yep. Andre, the giant. For those of you who aren't aware, like Andre, Andre got around in some of the places that he worked uh, before he went to the WWF was uh, some of the Japanese promotions. This was uh, all Japan, I believe, because no, it was new. It was New Japan. Uh, there's a, it got mislabeled, but it was New Japan because I'm pretty sure, um, pretty sure this is when Hanson was working for like New Japan for a couple of years. 
wow, I always just associate him with All Japan. Yeah, there was like, so he he's pretty much always been All Japan, but there was like, I think a two or three year period where he worked for New Japan. Hmm. Right. So this is a match between them. I don't know. I don't know what what type of show this was on. I don't know if it was like a big show or anything. I don't know how this match got booked. I don't know if there was hype for it. I don't know any of those that background. All I know is it's Hansen versus Andre, and it is fucking fantastic. It is badass. It's. I will set this up for folks because obviously, uh, WrestleMania three, Andre versus Hogan. That's the most famous match Andre was ever in from like a historical perspective. That's the biggest match he's probably ever been in it's what he'll always be remembered for um in terms of actual like match quality and just like it blowing your mind it's this match this is the best andre match i've ever seen and like andre andre isn't just i mean even sadly to say like even if just a few years later at wrestlemania 3 he was already kind of starting to break down like pretty significantly started having like a lot of mobility issues but he couldn't but he was fucking moving around like nobody his size should have been moving like he was quick yeah he had agility mm-hmm. it was he had what's really crazy and we can go into it like in depth he was he was doing some really actually like smart psychology in the match which is not something you would see out of a andre match usually usually was preach it like, brother matt preach um, it it was usually just him, like, pummeling guys, like, forcing them into a corner and just, like, you know, using his body against them. But he was working over Hanson's arm at one point. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Like, first off, it starts off, and it really it starts off with the two of them just, like, immediately going at it. I mean, not just, yeah. like, let's do a nice little collar and elbow tie-up. No, like, they just, like, yeah, they're just, they like, fuck on. Them. Oh, yeah, they just start throwing bombs at each other. I appreciate. Uh-huh. I, I'm sorry, man. I want to jump in because I'm excited about this one too. I appreciate at the beginning that that Hanson was the one that got aggressive first. Yeah, because that let Andre feed into him a little bit and say like, "No, this is Stan Hanson. He's hurting Andre when he hits him." Yeah, I'm. I didn't mean to step on your point. Oh there. no, no, no. And well, first off, let's talk about how like, look, it, this isn't uniformly true, um, and certainly crowds can always be different and uh, Japanese crowds are like any other crowd where if they're into something they're really excited about something you know they'll cheer they'll get into it but generally like Japanese crowds for the most part aren't kind of be like aren't necessarily going to be like American crowds where they're just like people shouting shit at the wrestlers and things like that they're slightly more subdued um, but they do cheer but this at the beginning of this this was like as hot as I have ever heard a Japanese crowd, it was like, crazy, they, wasn't it? They were they were hot for this match, like they were just like on their feet, like electrified. Yeah, uh, and it's just intense. Like these, I, I didn't do like a match by match um, thing in my notes, but I just I, some I, things I noted. If you if you can interject, if you have like yeah, I, I did actually. Um, and it's 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 like we said, it starts off hot and. I gotta ask, Brad. Was the build to this that like Andre and Hansen had killed each other's dogs or something? No. Um, <laughs> basing it on what I've seen of Japanese wrestling, and this is based more on all Japan, but they both kind of work together. They just would bring 
people in like they would announce at the start of the tour the guys they're bringing in so andre probably came in on this tour and they booked this towards the end and you know hansen being hansen they just went they just went balls out but i mean and and the crowd probably just picked the guy that's there all the time and they're more familiar with so that's probably why they were so pro hansen because he was like a fixture in japan this time but still, it, you know, on the other hand, it's it's flipping Andre. So, like we said, the match starts, and Hanson just goes at Andre. He's just hammering on him, right? He wastes no time. And and Andre, like, feeds into it. He's like, oh, you know, when he's selling and he's backing it off. And then <clears throat> Andre gets in and puts Hanson in a bear hug, and Hanson fights his way out of it. Like, hammers Andre enough to get him to turn loose. Well, he was, like, so, grabbing at his face, too. Yeah, he's, like, mm-hmm. pushing his head back and, like, punching him and, and, like, forearming him and stuff. And then, as they're going, all of a sudden, this is the thing that blew my mind. Like, I'm not saying – I'm, I've never said Andre couldn't work. I know Andre could work. You have to be really good to be a good big man. And even if it looks kind of lazy – you still got to be really good to do that and have it look good and be convincing, right? Like Big Show has got got better as he got older, and he got better at doing that stuff. And it, it kind of goes back to our, our last episode with the the uh, old versus new, like doing less, doing more with less kind of thing, right? Yeah. Andre was really good at that stuff because you know he didn't have mm-hmm. to, but in this one, all of a sudden, like Hanson's hammering at him, Andre steps in and flipping key locks or. No, he Kimura's Hanson. Like he he goes Andre goes technical. Yeah. Andre the Giant goes technical in this match. First It was the damnest thing. I know. It's not even that um it's not like Hanson like locked him up and Andre was gonna be like, right, I can show you I can do this too. Andre did it first on Hanson's Lariat arm. Yep. From the beginning. And that's what I loved is like right there at the beginning he does this and, and Hanson's coming at him he's just like give a damn how big you are I'm coming at and Andre's like oh you know uh, well I know he likes it. he's really good with that lariat let's take that out of the equation he hooks that in and he spends most of the match trying to take that arm out mm-hmm. and I was just blown away by this right it's not that I didn't think Andre could do it I just didn't expect him to what what I thought was really kind of stood out about this match and some other matches have it but there was a there was a real like level of grime to this match like they're clearly like there's clearly not any like potatoing or sandbagging going on but they give this level of it almost feels like they're kind of not cooperating with each other yeah there there was that kind of feeling where they obviously they were working with each other but it they blurred the lines where it almost seemed like they were doing some sort of like shoot or at least like a work shoot. It, it got, it got intense. It, it was rough enough, mm-hmm. right? It, you, you know, you watch it and they're not, they're not hurting each other. Yes. Pips is here. She's a, she was a fan of this match too. She sat and watched it with me. Um, that's why she's trying to get her words in, but um, you know, they, they're, they're going like seriously roughneck. And they're working snug, and you know, well, I mean, it's yeah. Hanson, so of course. And then, but Andre's giving it right back. <clears throat> um, and it's it, man, that's that's really that gets you more invested, right? 
Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love watching really athletic stuff, and you do cool things, and then it's like, oh, they're going to do the Tower of Doom. That's going to be a big thing. Like, that's cool, but it doesn't get you invested the same way stuff like this does. Yeah, and it, yeah, I was kind of blown away because by the the psychology aspect. Uh, like you said, like Andre, Andre didn't usually work that sort of style. In fact, I don't think I had ever really seen him do it. It's because he didn't really have to. Yeah. Uh, usually he was booked differently. Like, I mean, he also came from that kind of that kind of era, which I don't know if a lot of modern day people really follow that philosophy. Some people do, um, but it's like you do you do only as much as you need to. Kind of that that was like the mentality. It's like I'm not going to do like five flips if I can get more heat by just bailing out of the ring and like strolling around the ring and like getting some cheap heat from the fans doing that. Yeah. Like, and in your career is going to be longer if you're good at that too. Yeah. So Andre usually just he didn't have to do that sort of thing, but it made it was in the context of this match, it was perfectly logical for him to go after the lariat arm. And it was crazy. And how about this? Like right after he was kind of working over the arm, uh, he does a fucking suplex yeah. on Hanson. Yeah. And I mean, folks, like like a suplex, like you would ordinarily see, like a regular suplex or a suple for Soli. The Soli fans, yeah. Yeah, it's a straight vertical suplex. Yeah. And um, that that also brings up something that – and I – I want to bring this up because just to reinforce how good Andre was <clears throat> in this match, Andre was so good at finding transition spots that didn't make, didn't make himself or Hanson look stupid. Like Andre would do something and miss and Hanson would be able to like get a hope spot and come up and start hammering away. Right. But it didn't make Andre look like an idiot for it. And he just found little spots to do that with. I will say, and, I will say, he did make a huge tactical error when he went to the Irish whip that really kind of reversed oh, yeah. his fortunes in this match. Yeah, but that's that's the thing is like you don't let you don't let Stan Hansen start running. That's that's going to be bad for you. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, like they do the transition spots. And so they don't look stupid, and it's like a logical progression. Like, of course, Andre would try and do that, and Hansen gets out of the way and starts being able to get over on him. But it's not like, like, oh, Andre only did that, so Hansen, right? Like, it makes it would make logical sense in an actual contest. The other thing they did that they were so good at, and Andre was really good about this because he was kind of dictating the pace on it, um, was the fact that he. He was spacing things out mm-hmm. so that the crowd had an opportunity to either be mad at Andre for pinning Hanson down or to be just psyched because Hanson just got loose and got all over Andre before Andre got a hold of him again. And, you know, it's it's I know I've mentioned it before, but if you don't ever stop and let the crowd breathe and enjoy and respond to what they just saw, you're you're either going to wear them out or you're going to make them bored because it's just like, okay, 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 right? But they space it out enough that it's like, okay, all right, you know, like they do some stuff and then Andre hooks that arm again and they stop and breathe. And the crowd's just like, get him, Hanson! Well, however Japanese crowds do it. But, you know, get him, Hanson! And then Hanson gets loose and he gets in on Andre and Andre backs up and they're like, go, Stan! And you know, there's there's gaps in, for it to breathe in the middle of it. 
Can we also talk about the body slam? Yes. There is there's an amazing spot. I mean, I know everyone, I know Hulk Hogan likes to act like that's the first time Andre has ever been slammed <laughs> before. All right. All right. Um, but in this match, there is a spot where Hanson body slams Andre, and it's it's incredible. Like, it's Andre gets, like, a lot of air on that. Mm-hmm. And then doesn't Hanson just start dropping knees on him? No, he goes for an elbow and misses, and then they're both kind of like... You got a double down spot. So, like I said, you said he does his awesome body slam. He misses the elbow, and they're both down. And that lets it breathe because the crowd can be like, oh my God, Stan Hansen just body slammed Andre the Giant. That was so cool, right? Because you want to let the crowd do that because then you're not stepping on them being excited. Well, okay. it was well timed too because it felt like they they had it feel like Hanson was about done and then he kind of comes off the ropes with that kick and slams him and then it's like he suddenly has life again yeah he, he got some breathing room oh man oh and um and after after the slam Hanson went into a camel clutch on Andre mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense what are you gonna do to Andre to try and keep Camel clutch may, you know, because it's I'm, I'm pausing for a second. Yeah, jump in if you want. Crazy this. Um, but then they start they start brawling again, and then they go outside the the ring, and I guess they basically both get counted out the match gets thrown out yeah that was that was and so that was standard procedure for all japan and new japan until like the mid 80s okay yeah so they they're they're brawling they like go outside with the brawling and either they get counted out or they get um the match gets thrown out i don't know which because the audio is in uh it's in japanese i'm pretty sure it's a count out okay i thought i thought just andre got counted out from the way hansen was responding no, but I don't know. It, go ahead. It, it that, doesn't that, matter that much. That's usually yeah. that's usually that was a pretty classic like um, <clears throat> ca- double count out from that time frame. Okay. Now, yeah. So I I, I want to comment. Ahead. I want to comment. Um, one thing I love about watching old footage from Japan in like the seventies and eighties and even in the sixties is they shot their shows so much better than America did. Like it looks. It looks as good as stuff from like the 2000s, and if you want yeah. like stadium stuff that was shot by promotions in the 80s in the in the U.S., it looks like garbage compared to this. Yeah, the camera's too far back, and uh, you can't. It's it's hard to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's a really good point, Brad. Uh, you mean they didn't do the preferred the 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 quality uh method of shooting wrestling by doing complete jump cuts over and over <laughs> and over yes uh yeah uh, Shad, why not, yeah why, why don't you look at the message i just sent you <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> it's fucking beaver time <laughs> that's true i god uh that in fairness that is actually a very good point that that Brad is making like the yeah. quality of just 
the way they shot this, with the the camera angle choices, uh, and just overall the <laughs> I, I want to call it cinematography. It's not cinematography, but just overall like the angles they used and how they did shoot it. It was quality. I mean, this, again, this is a match that's almost forty years old. And but... it looks it looks better than it looks better than some WCW footage from like the early nineties. Yeah, the one that I had in mind was the first Starcade. It looks amazing. The first, the shooting in the first Starcade looked like crap. Really, it was too far back. It was not, uh, you know, the lighting wasn't good either. Like no. it was so far back, the lighting wasn't good. It, 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 but this, you could see very clearly what was going on. It was just far enough back for you to be able to see the whole ring, but it wasn't so far back that you were losing what you were watching. Well, and I mean, I'm pretty sure they are shooting with better cameras, too. That would make sense. I mean, and it is Japan in the early 80s, so I'm pretty sure their their video technology was probably better at the time. Because <laughs> people weren't buying the, the new, uh, new technology yet. Well, I, I'm sure someone could break it down technically. I think promotions were still doing stuff on, like, 20 millimeter. Or, oh, like, wow. some, like, really antiquated thing from, like, the 60s as, as far as this goes. Because if you watch, like, arena footage from, like, even the AWA or something, it looks like crap. And this looks like what, like, the T, like, what, like, the Techwood shows look like if you watch old, like, stuff from, like, that yeah. TV studio stuff. So, it just looks really good. Like, if you watch this, you would think it was probably from, like, the mid-90s. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, and um, you, you know we had the. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the match. Matt pointed out that you know we had the countout on the outside. Hanson's on the inside, like, no, nah, bring it on! Come on, come and get it! And it's uh, the crowd's chanting, and I don't know what they're chanting, but in my head it's labeled "Let them fight, let them fight, let them fight." Right? Yeah. So it, you think the match is over here? But it's not. No. No, Andre gets back in the ring, and he says something. He's, like, arguing with, like, the ref, whatever, and he basically forces the match to continue. Right. Which I was like, whoa. Like, that's – I didn't know that they were going to go that direction, but they continue, and it's still awesome. Yes. They just start going at it again, and I don't know if you caught this, Shad, but there's a point where, like, Andre has, uh, has Hanson in the ropes – and yeah. he chops him, and I was like, "Oh fuck! I don't know if that was, <laughs> I don't know if that was fake or not. Like that looked pretty snug. Like that looks. Let's he, see. Like, he kind of lit him up a bit. Yeah, I that, yeah. I heard that slap. Well, because first Andre did the tied in the rope spot, and then oh, yeah. Andre put and put uh, Hanson in the tied in the rope spot, and Andre's hits just. You know, you look at Andre the Giant, and he's a big dude, and since he didn't have the thing with his pituitary done, you know, he just, like, he kept growing and stuff. So he didn't look like a normal human being, for lack of a better term, right? And yeah, so you look at him, and you're like, Andre hits you. Of course, it's going to hurt, but in hits sound not like the 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 you get from like chops and stuff that you see on TV right now, but did you just sound like these big clubbing blows, right? Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> we, uh, I think we got to see uh, Andre do the first headbutts in the match uh, after that. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to the arm. Like, after it's been restarted, he goes back to the arm. He also, it goes in surfboard. Yeah, he also body slams uh, Hanson. Uh-huh. And Stan fucking bounced. Yeah. <laughs> he landed. I mean, I swear to God, folks, he, like, bounced, like, two, three inches off the, yeah. the mat. Like, it was something. Yeah, man. Uh, Andre does all that. He, he gets the slam you mentioned. Then Andre misses the splash. And Hanson misses the elbow, so we get this double down time, right? And then the crowd's like, oh man, what happens next? You know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, man. What happens next? Uh, well, I don't know if this was immediately after that. I forget, but I know that uh, when Andre is back up, like, Hanson goes for the lariat and he nails Andre with it. And Andre just goes flying outside the ring. Yeah. Andre gets the lariat so hard, he goes through the ropes to the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, he, Hanson's just in the ring. He's like, ah, you know, all fired up like Hanson gets. After his big move, not only took down Andre the Giant, but knocked him out of the ring. Mm-hmm. And it's just, man, that was, that was a really cool moment. And then Andre <laughs> comes back in the ring. With an elbow pad on his arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he gets back in there with the elbow pad on his arm. Like, he's going to lariat Hansen. But he never gets the chance. He tries to, and he clubs the ref with it. Yeah, he it just breaks down from here. And he, like, he fucking clocks the ref. <laughs> yeah. With like a was it like a clothesline or something? Yeah, because he had the yeah. he had the, um, the elbow pad on like Hanson does. And I was like, what the hell? I've <laughs> never seen Andre just like I like fuck it. I'm not going after the ref now. <laughs> it was insane. I know. And that's pretty much like the end of the match because I mean it, yeah. it just completely broke down at this point. But it was like what a match. It's crazy. I was really. It was surprising, but it was also really cool to watch. What what yeah. I think what astounds me from this match is the first this isn't the first time I've watched this, but the fact that it grabs you from like the first second and doesn't let go the entire time. Oh yeah. That's that's it, it just hangs on and you ride this it's like riding a bull. You're just trying to hang on the whole time and see what happens. This was Again, I've like gushed for this about this match for the last like twenty minutes or so, but um, I was just thinking like this match is again almost forty years old, and it is amazing and it holds up to today. And I was just like contemplating because I was after I watched this match, I was thinking like last year, the Walter PCO match uh, from Janela Spring Break mm-hmm. kind of like revitalized the career of PCO, and that match isn't. I, I kind of I like the match a lot actually, but it's more of like a spectacle because it's you know, two big dudes in there and PCO doing things to almost kill himself. Right. But that was something that that really got a lot of like interest from people, and again it kind of like hyped PCO to the point where now I mean he's he's winning tag championships and he's got a his career has a resurgence. But I was thinking like about that match and how like if if this match if like these two guys were somehow alive today, like not well, 
Hanson's alive. You know what I mean? Like they're they're right. like people who were like contemporaries. <laughs> they were they were of this moment, right? And they had this match anywhere, like Japan uh, in the Indies or something like that. And they weren't already big stars. A match like this would would have fucking made them. They would have been instantly like like indie darlings overnight. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, incidentally, I just wanted to say, I think PCO trying to kill himself, we can just refer to as PCO doing PCO things. <laughs> I, I want to say, I dare anyone to watch this match and to come out of it saying you can look at Andre the Giant the same way. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Like we said, we, we, we all three said it in the course of this. We knew Andre was capable, but you didn't expect to see it. And he just did such a good job with it. Man, it was really cool. It was fun to watch. So, if, yeah, that was really special. I know we don't throw snowflakes around on this show, but I would I would unironically give this five stars. You know what? I'm actually, I, I would be there with you. It's, it's everything. It's like a spectacle, but it's also, there's psychology, there's brawling. Uh, it's super hot from beginning to end. It's just a, it's a fantastic match. It is. I would, I, I, I don't know. I'd throw it somewhere between four and five, and I'm not sure where, because honestly, I don't think about snowflakes much. So, would it be a five? Maybe. Would it be a four? Maybe. Would it be somewhere in between? I'm not sure, but it would definitely be up there. Pairing. So this was Andre the Giant and Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus. Kamala and the missing link. And I'm pretty sure this was um he this was mid south, but they were working Houston at the time. If I if I had to guess based on the look <clears throat> of the arena, I think it was Houston. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to say uh Hacksaw, it's gotta be like mid south. Yeah. Well there Hacksaw's... is a weird thing, so like Houston in the eighties was a territory, but they didn't actually, like, have their own talent. They would partner with people, and then they would bring those guys in and book their own shows. So they were, they did like this with Mid-South for a while, then I think they did WWF for a while, and then they were doing, like, I think W, like, JCP guys for a while, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. Hmm. Okay. The uh, this match, it's it's like the complete inverse of the last one, um, because it at least to me, this kind of seemed more like a uh, like a glorified squash, but everyone wanted to see Duggan and Andre, you know, whoop some ass. So, um. Kamala and Link were feeding into it, and Kamala was feeding into it very well. Well, I think I think um, I'd have to. I don't remember this era of Mid South well. I'm pretty sure Kamala and Andre were kind of having a back and forth feud because I've seen footage of Kamala body slamming Andre in a tag with Bill Watts commentating. Okay. So, and that one is actually interesting because there it was kind of like. The tag was breaking down, and Kamala, who was actually a good character, like snuck up on Andre and took him by surprise and slammed him. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So um, just for context, you can find that in a compilation on YouTube of people that have slammed him. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and should we tell like the the brief Kamala the Kamala Andre story? That's Go for kind it. of like I don't know if this is like this isn't like a well I mean Kamala has shared this so it's not like necessarily apocryphal but it's kind of gone out there into like the lore of uh, of Andre and of Kamala I guess too but Kamala basically said that uh, they had a match together and did he he like missed the spot or something and Andre kind of like tuned him up a little uh, sh- shot on him for a little bit and. And I think wasn't the story that, according to Kamala, Andre used the N word, used I some think uh, so. used some colorful language. Um, so I mean, this is back in the day when things were a little more rough. So back mm-hmm. in the '80s, uh, you travel around to the territories, and sometimes, especially if you're like a big African American dude, uh, you'd run towns where you didn't necessarily like the, the fans weren't necessarily like into you for the. They may have been jeering you not just because you were healed maybe for maybe you, for, might yeah. be, you might be working in what were they called sundown towns in like mm-hmm. some of the southern territories so if you don't know what a sundown town is and i might be getting the terminology right is pretty much like if if you are of a certain skin color you will you should if you get caught here after dark something bad will happen to you yeah mainly you'll probably be beaten to death is pretty much what um I could be getting that terminology wrong, though, of what that was. But I know that was like a thing in the South until, well, I mean, probably into the 90s, I think. Yeah, uh, but apparently like that, that's what happened. Like there was a, like an altercation in the ring um, where Kamala either missed a spot or maybe he like accidentally hit Andre with like a, a stiff shot, something of that nature. And basically Andre didn't care for that. He... Uh, you know, kind of reciprocated, basically called him uh, an inappropriate word. That's kind of putting it mildly. But basically yeah. what happened was when they got to the back, uh, Kamala pulled a gun on him and was like, you're going to use that word? <laughs> you're going to use that word again? And then Andre, of course, was like, no, no, no. I, uh, I completely misspoke. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> Clearly, I won't use that sort of language again. So uh, that was kind of the end of it, because by all accounts, from just about everyone I think that worked with him, people were always saying that Kamala is actually like one of the actual nice guys in the business. Like he just was always very pleasant, incredibly uh, positive in terms of like his outlook, his demeanor. So he's not someone who just walk around having issues with people. But well, if, if you look up um, if you look up WWE outtakes from the '80s, a lot of them are just him like screwing around on promo day and like people laughing at him Mm -hmm. like there's one i love it's him like cutting like a promo on junkyard dog and he's like he's like junkyard dog's like you've got to like mess with ugandan giant and i don't speak english but i've got a great amateur background (laughs) (laughs) and there's one where like mean jeans like he's like holy shit like you look like sugar bear harris and he just starts laughing (laughs) the other thing i think that would kind of endear people to kamala is and and you can get this from from kind of watching the the lawler match but it seems like working with kamala was not going to beat you to death like working with some other people might 
I no, he you know, we've talked a lot or I've talked a lot in this uh podcast about Orange Cassidy and what a smart gimmick it is because mm-hmm. he doesn't really have to do too much. I mean, obviously more recently in AEW he's doing more actual physical stuff, but generally it's like a gimmick where he doesn't have to do a ton of crazy stuff. He can do like minimal stuff and yet it still pops the crowd, still gets people excited. Uh Kamala in a weird way was sort of like that, only in the sense like he didn't his offense wasn't incredibly diverse. He wasn't going out there doing like, you know, Centon splashes or shit like that. He was basically just doing punches, kicks, um, chokes, body slams, like really simple stuff. But what people have said, people who worked with him, they indicated like he actually was for a dude who was like legit six, five, six, six, 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. He supposedly was very, very light, not just like agile because he clearly was. I mean, some of these matches, um, he's throwing kicks. He can like, one of the things he, he I didn't I don't recall him doing in any of the matches we watched, but he can do um, leapfrogs over people. He was a he did. Um, remember in the Lawler match, he had Lawler in the corner and he like jumped and touched his toes. Just yeah, to yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I mean he really agile, but so he's light on his feet that way. But apparently he was very light working in the ring. Like he he did not lay in stiff spots. And guys, that's one of the reasons why guys love to work with him because he was so big that whatever he did to you was completely believable and you could just sell could sell it like crazy. Yeah. But he wasn't going to actually like hurt you. Like he his his moves looked good in the sense that they look he looked like he's this big 300 pound dude chopping you and you could just sell the shit out of that. You could act like some guy just hit you with an axe handle. But he wasn't actually like being stiff with you. And uh, I think there's a quote I don't know if it's actually a quote from from Bret Hart, but I think like his nickname, Kamala's nick, one of Kamala's nicknames is supposedly Easy Money, because uh. you can go out there, people would buy to see you face Kamala because people were into you know the Ugandan giant, the big monster heel. But it was easy because you go out there, you'd have like a, a relatively short match with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be you wouldn't have to take too much offense. He wouldn't beat the shit out of you. You know, you do like your your handful of stuff. You get a win over him in a way that you both come out looking strong and then you know take off for the night and yeah. who wouldn't i mean that's it's smart like you can go out there have like a 10 minute match not do too much stuff get a big gate like that's that's winning i mean that's why everyone loves kane same thing everyone said he was like light as a feather to work with mm-hmm. the um the in in doing this and in, in getting ready for this episode there were some thoughts that I had on it. In that, uh, first of all, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call back to our interview with with Duke Allstriker a little while back. There are so many um, guys who want to get in the business and be be a monster, and they're big guys and stuff, but they they're not strong, right? And they're not they're big. That's really it, right? Like, and and not like not like lifting big. Kamala is what all these guys wish they were without understanding why he is what they wish they were. Like that, that that's what they all want to be, but they don't understand why that's what they want to be. And that makes um, sense. it's 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 a shame that they they miss the point of why he worked, right? You know, what what is it that 
made Kamala's gimmick successful. Because if you look at it from the outside, it just seems, you know, it's like, oh, that's simple. You just go out there and you, you chop on people and you're over. Right? No, there's more to it than that. And it made me think of something else. Brad, were you telling me Kamala, like, moved around in the territories a lot, right? Yeah, because, I mean, he, um, he'd probably do – I mean, most heels would do, like, six months, maybe a year – and then you'd move to the next place. So it's it, the thought occurred to me that Kamala was probably the similar to not the same thing, but kind of similar to having Abdullah come in, except instead of taking a fork to the head, you're just taking some some chops and some slams and a splash. Well, and and he probably wasn't holding a sign saying free hepatitis C either. Well, right, right. 